The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. What is the cloud? It's not just pie in the sky anymore. SAP presents In the Cloud with Game Changers with your host, Bonnie D. Graham. Are you in the cloud yet? If you are, do you know how to maximize its potential? Get ready for an hour of innovations and innovators who will explain how they are using the cloud. Find out how to make it work for you or work more effectively for you. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. The cloud. Are you shopping for cloud solutions based solely on price? Heaven forbid. We all know we all shop on price. Well, my experts today say you better look deeper. Let's find out what they have to say. Jeff Anders says, and I quote, nearly everyone is under the gun to save money and looking for that silver bullet to solve their problem. But even the most skilled hunter can shoot himself in the foot sometimes. Great picture words there, Jeff Anders. Jeff says cost is only one factor when trying to decide between public, private, and hybrid cloud solutions. We'll visit with Jeff in just a couple minutes and find out what he means and who that hunter is. I think it could be a woman too, Jeff. Alan Kranz is with us today. He says it may be time to rethink everything you know about the private cloud. Current stereotypes of private cloud as the secure and I'm sorry, and most costly alternative to public cloud are rapidly eroding as adoption grows. So there's some key words in there. Many early adopters are already achieving costs on par or lower compared with public cloud benchmarks. So we're going to get Alan's take on private versus public. Xavier de Romagna is with us today, and he says, if hybrid cloud is here to stay, well, there's a new concept. Hybrid cloud is here to stay. What are the implications? I know he has great answers. And Madri Chala is with us, and she says, cloud computing. Is it an evolution or a revolution? A lot to hear from her on her point of view. She's keeping it quiet for the intro, but we're going to find out more. So join us for the next hour on Best Bang for Your Buck. Private, public, or hybrid cloud? I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome to another live edition of In the Cloud with Game Changers presented by SAP. I'm going to tell you who my special guests are very briefly. We'll hear their voices and then we'll deep dive back into their quotes. Let's start with Jeff Anders. Jeff is an SAP director. Of, one second, Jeff. Jeff is an SAP director of solution management. I have to tell them who you are. In the virtualization and cloud product group, he's responsible for establishing and driving the direction for new products to help SAP customers more effectively and efficiently deploy and manage SAP applications in virtual and cloud environments. Now, Jeff, hello. How are you? Hey, Bonnie. How are you today? Good to be here. Glad- Glad to have you. You know something? If I took that one-sentence description and put it on a business card, it would be too big for you to carry. It better be virtual, so we'll talk about that, too. We'll go back to your quote in just a second. Alan Kranz is a senior analyst within Technology Business Research Inc.'s software practice. That's TBR, to those of you who are familiar with the firm. He focuses on cloud services, which is why he's here, enterprise security, storage, and software markets. Alan Kranz, welcome. How are you today? Thanks, Bonnie. Excited to be here. 
Thank you very much. It's always good to hear from a guest. Xavier de Romagna, I love pronouncing your name. Xavier is the Global Product Manager for the IBM Smart Cloud for SAP Offering, working closely with SAP on joint cloud initiatives such as SaaS. Welcome, Xavier. How are you today? I'm very well. Thank you very much, Bonnie. Thank you for inviting me. I'm glad to be here. Glad you're here, too. And the sole woman besides me on the panel is Madri Charla. She's a business and technology leader in IBM. She's responsible for strategizing and developing IBM cloud service offerings, managing enterprise applications, and ensuring the alignment of IT strategies with corporate goals. And that's what we're going to be talking about. Welcome, Madri. How are you today? I'm fine, Bonnie, and thank you for having us. Wonderful. Delighted. What a panel. This is great. No time to chat until we get done with our quote. So let's kick off with Jeff Anders. I love this picture, Jeff. Everyone's under the gun to save money. We know that. But even the most skilled hunter can shoot himself or herself in the foot sometimes. Cost is only one factor. Talk to me, Jeff. Why are they hunting? What are they hunting for? What do they hope to find? Is it kill or prey or that golden egg? Tell me. Yeah, yeah, I think it is that golden <laughs> egg, Bonnie. And and no, I didn't impl- mean to imply in any way that this was a woman hunter here. I've seen plenty of men do the same thing. So. Okay. Uh, but, you know, I I think in reality a lot of people are looking for that silver bullet. You know, everyone is under pressure to save money, and they're trying to do it in a hurry. And they're looking to the cloud in some cases to say, well, if I just put everything in the cloud – out of sight, out of mind, and, and, you know, I'll just pay someone else and my troubles are done now. And, and uh, you know, I think that's a dangerous, uh, dangerous sort of approach to this. And, and it's not only my thoughts. I've, I've talked to many CIOs who have the same opinion that, you know, going to the cloud is, is a good thing to do in many cases. It's a smart thing to do. It can save money. There's technical advantages to it. But at the end of the day, you know, the CIO, the, the CTO is still responsible for running that business. And so, you know, to, to, to look at this as just a cost savings uh, could lead you down the path of wrong decisions. And you still need to make the right technical decisions for the business. You still need to take into consideration what are your business goals and objectives in moving to the cloud. And, you know, part of that will be money, but part of that will be the very same factors as if you were going to build your own data center with with brick and mortar today. You still want to make sure that you're looking at all of those things and making sure that whatever cloud service provider you go with, whatever architecture you go with, whether it's public or private or hybrid, that ultimately it still has to solve your business problems. Good level setting, Jeff. I appreciate that. Quick question for you. Do you think there is the romance of the cloud is luring people when they're really not ready to make a decision or they're not sure that they do have to make a bigger business decision? Do you think there's stardust in them there, Cloud? <laughs> well, uh, talking about good visuals, yeah, I, you know, I think in, in some cases there, there could be, although I, I have to say, I am I am impressed just in general in, in talking to, to customers out there and, and people making these decisions that I would say in general, uh, the people making these decisions are probably better informed than, than uh, what you might expect. And, and so the, I'm happy to see that. And they are asking questions. You know, people Good. are not shy about asking questions and digging into the details. So um, I, think, I think people are trying to lure them, but I think there's pretty savvy consumers out there. 
good to know, and that's why we're here today, and that's why we have In the Cloud with Game Changers, because I get to introduce people like you and Alan and Xavier and Madri, who are going to help them be smarter about their decisions. Let's turn to Alan. You say it may be time to rethink everything you know about private cloud. Let's just stop right there, Alan Kranz. What do they think they know about private cloud that they have to rethink? Give me a little level here. Well, I, I mean, I think the perception, and it's always relative, right? So compared with with private cloud, there's this perception that um, a private cloud is this uh, expensive thing that you have to build yourself, and uh, there's a lot of complexity there, and it's a, a lot of risk in terms of how to get the resources in order to, to deploy it. And from so I think that's a barrier out there in the market that, from when we've spoken with a lot of early adopters, doesn't necessarily have to be true. It doesn't. Uh, there's a lot of ways to to get started and get the benefits of of cloud in a way that's more private than the public resources that are available. Uh, but you don't have to build the entire thing yourself. There are uh, resources and and skills out there to help you get started, just in the way that there are with public cloud. So it doesn't have to necessarily be more difficult or expensive to get started with private cloud. Um, so I think you'll see that eroding as more of these case studies get out and populated in the market that there are other alternatives to owning and building everything yourself. Very interesting. And I'm going to ask you a quick question before we turn to Xavier. Uh, my question for you, Alan, is I was speaking about that stardust, that romance of the cloud. Is there a romantic notion that if you build your private cloud, you'll have everything you want and life will be nirvana at that point for your, for your IT? Is that where people are thinking or are they leaving that thought? Well, I think there is that idea of the gated community that's very secure and exclusive mm-hmm. and uh, lots of resources and amenities involved with it. I don't think it will live up to that expectation, um, but I think you'll see a blending of, of that and the public parks that are out there with, with public cloud. So you do get the, the resources that are required uh, with some of the benefits of, of it being private versus public, um, but it doesn't have to be this gated community that's very exclusive and um, separate from the, the rest of the, the resources. Thank you very much. Let's turn to Xavier de Romagna. You say if hybrid cloud is here to stay, and there's a new term for us today, hybrid cloud, what are the implications? What are the cost implications, briefly, Xavier? What do you think? Well, uh, let's define hybrid cloud first uh, for the benefit mm-hmm. of all our viewers. Uh, yes. It's basically a, a cloud deployment option or a cloud deployment model that leverages both par- pro- uh, public clouds and private clouds. Uh, and this is really an evolution. I mean, as customers are becoming more and more familiar with the benefits of cloud and they're really understanding what it is to consume IT services as a service, not just be concerned with infrastructure behind the scenes, they're starting to see that most of the workloads are not necessarily fit for either public or private. So that's when hybrid clouds come in. It's a combination of both. But what are the implications? I mean, cost is definitely one of the main uh, mm-hmm. The, the predominant concerns, but there are things like change management, for instance. You know, organizations need to really understand how disruptive cloud can be, and especially in a hybrid cloud, that's very important, uh, you know, enabling and empowering your organization to really take advantage of cloud. Um, migration strategies, for instance, I know it's not just as simple as you're moving your, your SAP workloads or your application workloads to the cloud. You really need to plan you need to really test and execute a very organized migration plan uh, to, to move your, your data into the cloud. 
And and I think something that is very important too is to have that middleware, that orchestrator that can pull it all together because you're going to have data flowing between private to public and then you need to make sure that there's the proper security and the proper uh, data replication between all of them. And, and so that's really important to consider. Thank you, Xavier. A lot of good points. And when we start our roundtable in the next segment, we're going to cover them. Madre Chola, cloud computing, is it an evolution or a revolution? What do you think? And what, what's your POV, your point of view on pricing? I can give you a minute and a half before we go to break. Go ahead, Madre. Okay, thank you. Yeah, so really I'd like to, you know, tie it into the discussion we've been having so far on the point of views, right, of the various speakers. The fact that, you know, most customers traditionally have leaned towards the private cloud and the pricing to go along with that was kind of like, you know, um, upfront capital expenditures required, et cetera, but you get the security, if you will, of what you're looking for. Now cloud has completely evolved, right, and you find hybrid cloud solutions where Customers can go, you know, for multiple choices for their workloads where pricing models of CapEx have now changed over a period of time and you're kind of going towards, you know, pay-as-you-go models. It's more based on usage, more based on consumption. And what you're giving up really is, you know, you're getting the cost advantage if you're willing to go to a shared private cloud um, or a completely public cloud, right? So that's kind of the evolution it's gone through. If you're willing to give up some of the um, the notion that you want to stay totally private, but you're willing to go to a shared private cloud concept, for example, then you're not really giving up security, if you will. You can still get all your compliance needs met, et cetera, but you avoid the upfront capital expenditures and you get, you know, the cost advantages, but you do have to sign up at the same time. I mean, it's not a cake, right? You have to sign up. Um, mm-hmm. For that cost advantage, what you're giving up really is, for example, um, you know, the shared maintenance windows. You're going to have to adhere to some of the shared policies that all customers are going to abide by. Thank you, Madri. You took me successfully up to our first break. You're listening to In the Cloud with Game Changers, and I have four great game changers going to help you figure out where you should be if and when you go to the cloud, what you should be paying, what your model should be for pricing, what your company needs. We're talking to you if you're a startup, if you're an entrepreneur with a gleam in your eye. I love to say that on the show. If you're a mid-sized company or if you're a big enterprise, where should you be? Our topic today, best bang for your buck. Private, public, or hybrid cloud. We'll be back with a lot more on this topic. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Justin, out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Think you know SAP? Think again. SAP customers produce over 70% of the world's chocolate, more than 50% of the world's brand name jeans, over 72% of the world's beer, more than 86% of the world's athletic footwear, and over 65% of the world's televisions. Learn more at www.sap.com. Think you know SAP? Think again. SAP customers produce more than 52% of the world's movies, collect tolls for over 1.75 billion road miles traveled each year, and represent 80% of the companies on the Dow Jones Sustainability Index. SAP customers fly more than 1.1 billion of the world's passengers, courier over 50% of the world's packages, and manufacture over 77,000 automobiles a day. Learn more at www.sap.com. 
When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are in the cloud with Game Changers, presented by SAP. If you have a question or comment for Bonnie or her guests, send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. You can also tweet your comments to pound sign SAP Radio during the show. Now back to In the Cloud with Game Changers. And I want to welcome our listeners who are listening to us live. Today is September 20th. I want to welcome them to tweet us at hashtag SAP Radio. We've got Malcolm, we've got Greg, and we've got David. I hope you're feeling better. David says, I think disruption is the key word. Folks need to work with full-service cloud provider for disruption is minimal. We'll be getting to that in a few minutes. David, glad you're feeling well enough to tweet today. So I'm going to open the second segment, which is the start of our roundtable. As our listeners know, all 9,000 of you who listened last month know that already. Madri Chawla from IBM. Let's do a little level setting in case somebody's been hiding out and they're just tuning in, Madri, and they really don't know what the cloud is. Why don't you give us a little bit of a primer or primer, as some people say. Let's do some basic definitions, private, public, shared, hybrid, and then let's talk a little bit about OPEX, CAPEX, which always confused me a little bit, and then we'll talk about workload after that. Alan's coming in, and then it's a free-for-all. So, Madri, take me in, please. Okay, thank you, Bonnie. So, mm-hmm. really, in terms of definitions of clouds, right, there's, we started traditionally, you know, the industry was towards the private clouds, which really meant that every customer wanted their own full workload deployed solely for them. Now, this could be managed by the customer themselves or it could be managed by any um, service provider, right? But it really was a dedicated private cloud deployment, and most SAP implementations started that way a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Over a period of time, customers began to realize that, you know, they wanted to take advantage. Can I really share some of the underlying stuff? So a trend really started, and the trend really started more for the smaller customers because they were not willing to do the upfront investment required to really set up your infrastructure, your servers, your storage, and the whole model up and running. So there was a little trend going on. Now, as the trend moves towards the right a little bit, you can start picturing you know, going from a dedicated private cloud, you're now moving towards more a shared private cloud model. So what are you really sharing, in, in, especially when you're trying to deploy some of your mission-critical ERP applications such as SAP, right? So you really going to think about, do I really want to share my application, my database? No, you don't, because you still want to keep that, you know, dedicated to your own customer, your own data, et cetera, because of privacy laws and other laws. So really, what do you want to share? What can you give up? for the cost advantage that you'll get is really give up some of, you know, the sharing and say, I can share some of the underlying infrastructure like my firewalls, et cetera, right? So you can get the cost advantage, no longer have to pay upfront the capital investment, and you can buy for what you need and kind of sign up for a monthly, um, a monthly price, if you will. And then you can mm-hmm. keep going more towards the right and say that, I want to go to a public cloud completely because I'm willing to give up some of the additional security that the shared private cloud gives me. If you're willing to give up some of that security, then, of course, you'll get a further cost advantage and move over mm-hmm. to the right and go completely to the private or to the public cloud, excuse me. And over there, you can even pay, if you will, um, with no upfront expenditures again, but from a monthly consumption model, maybe you can pay towards an hourly. So that's how the spectrum goes from... CapEx 
to OPEX. And then, of course, you know, you'd have to do a workload analysis, what types of workloads, whether it's SAP or non-SAP, really fit which type of a cloud solution. And I'll pass it on to Jeff. Oh, I think we're going to go to Alan right now. Alan, you're you're big on workload. You say to me, customers, it really depends on the workload. What we're seeing is many workloads currently being moved to private cloud would never have been considered for public cloud services. What do you mean by that, Alan Kranz? Absolutely. So as customers look at the spectrum of cloud uh, delivery and payment options that are available, um, for the customers that, that we've spoken with, a lot of the workloads that have either completed or planning to transfer to private cloud are ones where either the security or more often the reliability and the control in the performance, the requirements for those workloads simply would never have been a fit for public cloud options. Any type of outage, there's performance requirements, they simply wouldn't have even been considered for public cloud all of a sudden with the forthcoming private cloud solutions, um, they can still get the benefits of cloud, a lot of the flexibility, the the metering, the, the payment options, but in a way that they can still address ultimately what IT is, is supporting in delivering the business services and meeting all the requirements that, that go along with them. Uh, now, one other thing about workloads is, you know, we've done mm-hmm. a study looking at going out looking at workloads. And so we use that frame of reference. And part of what we found is that for a a lot of customers in the IT space, they haven't gotten to that point yet. They're they're still looking at cloud for capacity, storage, servers, um, throwing that at the business to make sure that the workloads stay up and running. They haven't gotten to the point where they're really working hand-in-hand with the business to evaluate the characteristics of the workloads, what the requirements are, and then making uh, intelligent brokering to the different attributes of public, private, hybrid, traditional, all of the delivery options that are available. They're still working towards that point. Right now they're getting familiar with the cloud offerings from uh, infrastructure. Um, and as Madri said, you know, looking at the capacity requirements, but not mm-hmm. yet really looking at it from a proactive perspective um, about from how to deliver what the business needs from those workloads. You bring up a good point, and we're going to cover this later in the conversation on who are the right people to be making these evaluations, these workload justifications, if you will, the people who should be balancing the business needs with the IT needs, the security needs, what the budget is, the cost. I was very intrigued when Madri said you can actually go with an hourly rate. I have not heard that, but this is new to me, too. Uh, Xavier, I'd like you to chime in on this conversation. What's your thought about workload? I know you, you want to talk about hybrid cloud. So how does hybrid play out with the workload balance. What do you think? Well, I'd like to step back a little bit. Very good points made by both Mary and Alan. I'd like to good. kind of pick on that a little bit because workloads, sure. I think what's really important for workloads is to be able to um, uh, to be able to do a good analysis. I think that it is okay for customers to go into a public cloud, try some dev tests, get yourself familiar with what it is to consume cloud services, what it is like to consume IT services in a cloud as a service. But uh, I believe uh, that business processes should really drive IT side by side. So it is mm-hmm. important to look at, at what what type of workloads you have. 
And I am a big uh, proponent that not every workload is made for cloud, at least not today. I think that we are going to be continuing to host many applications, critical applications that are fit for traditional infrastructure. And then we're going to be able to put some, uh, for instance, you know, some critical uh, application can be on, a, on, on traditional infrastructure, some other ones can be on a private cloud, whether it's on-premise, on the customer premise, or on a hosted shared private cloud, or dedicated cloud. And, but also, there might be some applications that are not critical, they're not secured, uh, security sensitive. Maybe you want to put out some information, uh, some services for your customers, for your suppliers, for your vendors that you can expose on a public cloud. So I think, I don't believe that there's a one fit all. I believe that mm-hmm. as we evolve as the customer's understanding of what cloud really gives them, how we can help them advance their business processes, um, they will start adopting this type of hybrid cloud. So, I mean, hybrid cloud sounds like a very new term, but it's really mm-hmm. a combination. I mean, we've been doing virtualization for many years. So, in a sense, most customers have been already running in a bit of a hybrid for many, many years. They had maybe some VMware. They had some virtualization on power machines, but they also had some traditional applications. So it's not really that new. What happens is that the adoption is slow because there's two primary drivers, cost and security concerns. Which comes first, cost or security, in your point of view from your vantage point at IBM, Xavier? Is it cost or security? What would be the number one that's really concerning? Let's go with the enterprise point of view today, cost or security? I will say cost and then security. Oh, interesting. And what about for mid-sized companies on the smaller end? Mm, well, actually, uh, let me backtrack. <laughs> for okay. Ones, it's a cost and security and, and the other way for enterprise, security first and then cost after. Okay. Jeff Andrews, I want to bring you in on this. Why don't you answer my question? What do you think? Is it cost or security and because for what are. size company? <laughs> Go ahead. I, had to, I had to take a second breath there. I thought Xavier was going to scare me out of my chair. Because <laughs> Why? I I would, uh, well, because uh, I I would agree with his revised list. Certainly for the large okay. enterprise customers, security is is uh, will I think always be the paramount concern. Mm-hmm. Um, and and certainly for the smaller companies, you know, they're just being more cost sensitive. This is you know something where they may be. Um, willing to, to maybe be a little bit uh, looser in this area. However, the exception would be, of course, where we have government regulations or regulatory issues. Even smaller companies in highly regulated industries, they'll still look, they'll still address the security first, simply because they have to to be in that industry. I hear somebody wanting to chime in. Who was that? No, well, I, I, I agree no, with I him, agreement. Agreement. Yes, Sorry, but you know, yeah. regulatory compliance. I think that. Or Javier first. That's a major factor for companies, even if they're small, right? They have to adhere to the industry-specific regulations, Mm -hmm. and then for them, security becomes number one, and compliance becomes number one. Okay, Xavier. Xavier, I heard you in there too. What did you want to add? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that that uh, that was a very good point because security and in those highly regulated industries, finance, aerospace, and defense, there that's one of the main drivers. And whenever they go through this analysis, they can see very clearly that their requirements can only be met very often with a dedicated private cloud in very in most most cases on their own premise. So the options are kind of narrow for those type of regulated organizations. They will not be able to take advantage of maybe lower costs for for um, public clouds because of the security sensitivity. 
Okay, Xavier, I thought I heard you say a couple of minutes ago something about trying it for a period of time. Is there such a thing as try before you buy for a small company wanting to dip its toe into the cloud? Can you do that in a sandbox approach? Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that there are several uh, options out there. I mean, you don't need to put out there any type of security critical application. Try, try some workloads. Try to see uh, what you can, uh, you know, how you can leverage that. Some things like features like rapid provisioning. You know, this is a very low-hanging fruit in cloud. You can build workloads. You can build private cloud images. I'm sorry, private images on your cloud. You can uh, build some API, some scripts. You can do provisioning. I mean, some of the testing that we do in our research lab today, I can spin an SAP ERP system in under an hour in our public cloud. And you can take advantage of to pay as you go. You can scale up, you can scale down. So it's a very simple model to dip your toes into cloud. And I think that's important. I think you need to take it in a phase approach. Take it little by little. You know, try public and then Really, don't jump into 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 conclusions where you know get caught in whether it's on cost or security. Really, let your business business uh, needs, business requirements drive your decisions. Thank you, Xavier. You brought Jeff. If I could just Jeff, a, Jeff, a, I want you to uh, hold it. Sort of, yeah. So just so this is the you know Hunter shooting himself in the foot. Going back to that line, I I completely agree with 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 uh, what Xavier said here, Mike. My concern and my my guidance I would give to people looking at this is it's easy to dip your toe in. The question is how do you get your toe back out mm-hmm. if you didn't like the water? And you know, with when when we look at things of uh, the interoperability between clouds and being able to sort of move from one cloud to another if you didn't like the cloud you were in, this is an area which is very very you know it's a very nascent area for this for this technology mm-hmm. and this industry. And uh, so this is one of the guiding things that I would suggest people look at is, yeah, it's, it's very good to go test the waters and try this out, but you should know that if you, if you want to exit that, what's your exit strategy? Not saying that you'll need it, but as part of your overall planning, I think, think you need to look at that because, as, as Xavier said in the, uh, earlier, um, you know, not every application is made for the cloud. I would say... The corollary to that is also true, which is not every cloud is made for your application. There, you know, and there are differences, and you have to look at, you know, are you more sensitive to performance? Are you more sensitive to cost? And so, these are the things that you need to look at. Thank you, Jeff. I hope you can hear me. We're going to go to break now, and when we come back, Jeff, I want you to open up with a quote you put in your notes to me from Mark Andreessen. Let's talk about some hard dollars and see if we can make some sense out of that. We're talking about best bang for your buck in the cloud. What's right for your company, big, small, mid-size? We're going to help you figure it out. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We're talking to four esteemed guests. You don't want to miss the second half of the show. Justin out. We'll be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Think you know SAP? Think again. SAP customers produce more than 52% of the world's movies, collect tolls for over 1.75 billion road miles traveled each year, and represent 80% of the companies on the Dow Jones Sustainability Index. SAP customers fly more than 1.1 billion of the world's passengers, courier over 50% of the world's packages, and manufacture over 77,000 automobiles a day. Learn more at www.sap.com. 
Think you know SAP? Think again. SAP customers produce over 70% of the world's chocolate, more than 50% of the world's brand name jeans, over 72% of the world's beer, more than 86% of the world's athletic footwear, and over 65% of the world's televisions. Learn more at www.sap.com. are in the cloud with Game Changers, presented by SAP. If you have a question or comment for Bonnie or her guests, send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. You can also tweet your comments to pound sign SAP radio during the show. Now back to In the Cloud with Game Changers. And we are still in the cloud and having a great conversation here with my panelists. I'm going to ask Jeff Anders from SAP to talk about a quote you sent me from Mark Andrees. And first of all, tell the uninitiated who is Mark Andrees and why is this quote important and what can you tell us about real dollars and cents costs on our topic, Jeff, of bang for the buck in the cloud. Go. <laughs> so thanks, Bonnie. Mark <laughs> okay. certainly is well known around around Silicon Valley as being a, a a leader and innovator in the high-tech and computer industry. And back in as far as 2000, he was involved with a company called LoudCloud. And his business part, partner at the time, who was also the CEO, um, made a comment that the, the cost of a customer running basic Internet applications was approximately $150,000 a month, $150,000 a month to run an application. Imagine that, right? Is that, and when I read this, this quote, I, I really wasn't uh, sure which to be more shocked at. The fact that this concept of software as a service, which is essentially what he was alluding to, running an application mm-hmm. on the Internet in, you know, in this, what, what we now know as the cloud, has right. been around for over 12 years, or the fact that it cost $150,000 a month to do that, which wow. is astounding. I mean, I could run a virtual data center for that same price today on the cost of you know what we what we think of as platform as a service or infrastructure as a service from from our cloud service providers and and so you can just see the the you know the economics of this and this this pattern is still happening we see this literally almost on a monthly basis where the cost of infrastructure and the cost of uh, using cloud services just continues to go down and down and down, and so it's a very competitive market for the cost, for the mm-hmm. uh, cloud service providers. But it's also a great time for customers who are looking at cloud services to be shopping around and looking at this because I'm sure they'll find uh, some you know very cost competitive offerings out there. Okay, it sounds like a lot of money. Where would the price point be today if Mark Andreessen was talking right now today? Of course, it's almost 13 years later. That's that's 10 years plus three coming up soon. So where would that price point be, Jeff, or anybody else on the panel want to address that? Real dollars and cents. So my guess would be, I you know, for an Internet application per month, I'd probably... If we if we looked at something like Salesforce.com or Success Factors or any of those SaaS type of offerings, maybe a hundred dollars a month per per person or even less. So, it's orders, of, orders of magnitude less. Yeah, I, I was, would say so. Go ahead, Madri. Yeah. I was going to add. I would say it could be half that, right? So it just depends on what you're packaging in. So you know, like for example. Um, I've seen, you know, tags that we can have SAP cloud services 
um, in a SaaS model being offered today for $30 per user per month. It's as cheap as that. And then, of course, you still have to add the SAP license cost to it. But, you know, overall, TCO, I would say under $80 a month, um, you can get yeah, the full package, one, really. Yes. I agree with you, Xavier, here, definitely. But one thing to keep in mind, if you're thinking about SaaS, software as a service, there's always going to be a minimum number of users. So you can't just say, I have 10 employees in my company, I just want 10. Some uh, companies are starting, some cloud providers can cater to that. But in, in the SAP space, it's very rare to, these, to see those type of offerings. Most of them will require a minimum of 100 or 150 users. Yep. So you have to talk about seats. I have a quote to read all of you. I found this on CIO.com, and I will confess it's three years old. It's an article called Pricing the Cloud, an Ongoing Challenge, dated May 20, 2009. Sorry about that, but I think it's worth bringing up. Uh, Network World was the, was the uh, provider, and they said, Cloud computing is taking off in large part because the delivery of IT services and infrastructure over the web offers better pricing and more flexible pricing options. That that at least is the theory. But what if cloud pricing models are so confusing that IT shops end up paying more than they expect? Question mark. So I'm going to open up to the panel in this, our second part of the roundtable. Have we gained traction in terms of diffusing this so-called confusion today, three years later, or almost four years later? Um, let's go with Alan Kranz. Haven't heard from you in a while. What do you think? Are we deconfusing, or is this still an OMG? What should I do? Where should I turn? What should I pay? Where are we? Yeah, just to jump back to the, the prior quote, one of the things that I think is most striking about it is that uh, when we're looking at that number, talking about how it would compare today, all of the comparisons are in per-user pricing. So you look mm-hmm. at one of the key revolutionary things of cloud is that no longer do you think about the, the aggregate, you think about the little pay-per-sip prices in terms of how to compare the, the numbers and the costs for running an Internet application. Um, so, so I think it's it's similar to, to buying a car. You look at you know the you can either focus on the monthly payment, get lost in low interest rates, and right. what you can afford on a monthly basis, and forget the the overall price. Right now, I think we're looking at the monthly payment, um, and what you're going to see with private cloud is more of an emphasis to say, hey, don't lose sight of all of those payments that are adding up over time, and look at when you look at five years out, are you going to be better off going with the, the monthly payments or looking at the bigger investment up front be actually being more cost-effective over the long term. Good, good point. And did you want to answer my question about are we diffusing the confusion or, or is it more straightforward? Is it like going into the car dealer and saying, okay, this is what I want. Just put it on paper. Tell me what I want. I'll live with it and I'll see how it works out for my budget. What do you think? I think we're still working through it. I think a lot of customers are still very focused on just, you know, what's the lowest cost for the next year. Um, but with mm-hmm. the advent of more accessible private cloud offerings, more flexible terms, I think you're going to start to see more intelligent trade-offs in terms of the, the pay-per-sip versus, you know, whether what the tipping point for a little bit larger upfront payment is in order to, to get that same level of service. Thank you. Let's go to Madri. I'm sure you have a point of view on this. Is that is the confusion being diffused? Is it getting down to more of a an intelligent? Okay, let's look at column A, B, C, and D. This is what I want. Let's go with it. It's right, or is there still an OMG? What do I do? Where are we? I think I would agree that you know we have to set the stage. A customer needs to be intelligent enough 
to understand what pricing models and options they have available, right? Because you can position, as um, Alan said, right, you can position it that, yeah, they make an upfront investment or some of the models will have a one-time charge, if you will, which can be pretty significant, but then Mm -hmm. the monthly charge is very, very low. Other models can be positioned saying that, you know, you have no upfront fees and the monthly would be slightly higher, right? So a customer has to very clearly understand what are they getting as part of the package. The other irony is that, you know, you can go in with a base solution, a base price, and then later find out that, you know, only certain elements of the service were included and everything else you have to pay extra. And then your overall TCO over a period of time, of course, goes up, right? And and the customers Mm -hmm. start to get upset then because they realize that, oh, I committed only to, I'm just making this up, $200 per seat. And then later I find out that, you know, my network connectivity wasn't included, I need additional storage, I need all these extra things included, and now my price just went up to 250 right? Yep. So um, customers have to understand that as part of the model, you have to buy a basic service, so you have to buy the basic car as an example, and then yes. all the accessories you want, they're going to cost you, Right. So okay. just be clear on what it is that you're actually buying and read the conditions of what you are buying because there's a lot of models, a lot of options available out there um, in this industry now. I see wide-eyed, wide-eyed buyer. Yes, Xavier, go ahead, please. Add yeah, just on. a quick point. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a key differentiator between public and private. Uh, more and more customers are looking at cloud computing adoption and they're saying, look, I want to do away with all my IT. I don't want to bother. And they're looking at SaaS, they're looking at platform as a service, and they're looking most of all to manage services. Customers very often are looking for a complete support from the OS all the way up to the SAP or whatever the application layer may be. In most cases, in our case, will be SAP. And so they're, they're looking at that type of model. They're not too concerned about it. Now, most public clouds do not offer managed services. So public clouds are more towards, more, more geared towards self-service. You go, you load your, you do your own thing. There's very little, uh, services. You gotta do your own backup. Sometimes they have services, but most of the time you're on your own. You don't have, a uh, an organization to help you with support if you lose your virtual machine or you have any issues. In private cloud, it's different. It's a very different model. So I think it's a very good point that Matt made because when customers are considering both public and private, they really need to look at what kind of services I'm looking for. Am I looking to do something on my own or am I looking mm-hmm. for something that can be completely managed for me and I can just concentrate on my business processes? I'm not you know, there's still security costs and all these concerns, but at a very basic level, uh, uh, level, I think this will help kind of uh, with the decision criteria. Is the cloud cost prohibitive for a startup? Uh, Jeff Anders, yes, no? Um, no, I don't think so. I think in, in many cases it's very attractive to a startup because it allows them to start small and then grow as they need to grow. Okay. Uh, Alan Kranz, agree, disagree? I agree because I think one of the enduring elements of public cloud that will always make it more cost-effective is that you only pay for what you use. So, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're at full capacity, you know, some of the private clouds we've seen can be cost-competitive, but it's always that spike that you don't want to build your own capacity for, that the public cloud is a great way to go out and meet that need in a way that you don't have to build 
up towards and maintain. You can shut it down and not have to incur that expense. Good, good enough. You know what? You've all taken us out to our third and final break. When we come back, hey, it's time for the crystal ball. I'm going to ask my guests, Alan Kranz, Jeff Andrews, Xavier de Romagna, and Madri Chawla, take out that chamois and shimmy it around the crystal ball. I want it nice and shiny and clean. I want you to look ahead five years to 2017. If you can see that far out, if you want to do shorter or longer, let me know. And I want to know what will cloud pricing models look like five years from today when we come back, the final segment of In the Cloud with Game Changers. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, thrilled to be here with my great panelists. Don't even think of touching that app. Yes, Greg Chase. Just it out. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Think you know SAP? Think again. SAP customers produce over 70% of the world's chocolate, more than 50% of the world's brand name jeans, over 72% of the world's beer, more than 86% of the world's athletic footwear, and over 65% of the world's televisions. Learn more at www.sap.com. Think you know SAP? Think again. SAP customers produce more than 52% of the world's movies, collect tolls for over 1.75 billion road miles traveled each year, and represent 80% of the companies on the Dow Jones Sustainability Index. SAP customers fly more than 1.1 billion of the world's passengers, courier over 50% of the world's packages, and manufacture over 77,000 automobiles a day. Learn more at www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are in the cloud with Game Changers, presented by SAP. If you have a question or comment for Bonnie or her guests, send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. You can also tweet your comments to pound sign SAP Radio during the show. Now back to In the Cloud with Game Changers. Operative word is in the cloud. Other operative word is Game Changers. I'm talking to Alan Kranz, Xavier de Romagna, Madri Chala, and Jeff Anders, and they're going to look into the crystal ball, and they're going to predict and add any other talking points they didn't cover in our Grant Roundtable. Jeff Anders, let's start with you as we did at the beginning of the show. Cloud pricing models, can you look ahead five years to 2017, or do you want to change that time frame for me, Jeff? Go. Okay, so 2017 might be a little far out, but I'll take a I'll take a shot at it. So I think okay. we're going to continue to see a lot of the things we're seeing today, right? The the price per unit, whether that's computing units, storage units, whatever you're buying from cloud service providers, uh, price is going to continue to drop. It's it's a very competitive market, um, which will benefit the consumers. Um, I think features are going to continue to go up, right? Better security, better speed, better performance, you know, so so more and better for less. I think we're going to continue to, to see that trend. And then we're going to see more and more people moving to the cloud and taking advantage of things that they couldn't buy on their own. And this is something I've heard from a number of co- uh, customers that are sort of in that mid-range space, right? Going back to the earlier discussion of what would large enterprises pay for versus small or medium companies. And I think... You know, 
taking advantage of things in cloud and leveraging things that uh, someone could afford in the cloud but not afford on their own. For instance, I've had several customers say, you know what, we've been trying for years to get a, a full-blown, high-availability solution in our environment, and we couldn't afford it on our own, and we can afford it in the cloud because the cloud service provider can provide high-availability, disaster recovery, for pennies on the dollar of what it would cost me to implement it in my own data center. And so I think, you know, customers are going to be moving to the cloud for these more advanced type of features and really, you know, pushing the cloud service providers to, to continue to deliver more of those. As well they should. It's time to push in both directions. Right? We want more and better, but we all know today customers own our brands. We've done several shows on social media, social business, and we know that interaction, social communities are how vendors get better because they listen to the needs of the customers and the prospects, and they collaborate. They co-innovate. That's another great word. Thank you, Jeff. Let's turn to Alan Kranz from TBR. Prediction. Alan, you ready? Sure. So when I look out to 2017, I think the, the biggest change in terms of pricing models will be driven by a focus on looking beyond cost. Now, from a vendor perspective, what this means is, uh, as Jeff alluded to, uh, highlighting the value of just beyond capacity what these vendors are bringing to the table. When you have leading vendors in the cloud space like Salesforce.com and Amazon looking at razor-thin margins or bleeding losses, that is not a sustainable model for really that next stage of innovation for continuing to evolve the functionality and the ease of use for cloud offerings. There's just no margin to in order to invest and be able to do that. Um, so you see more traditional vendors that are going to come to the table really just be very explicit with customers about, yeah, we can give you raw capacity, um, but the, all of these offerings allow you to do things that ultimately have a cost impact for you and a business benefit for you um, so that they're, they're worth paying for and there's value there. Um, from the customer side, as they look to, to go beyond cost, the shift that we see is this tightening of the integration between IT and business. Uh, we think with a lot of the consumerization trends, business people are more educated than ever about uh, the types of IT infrastructure and what's required to deliver the services that they need. But what's going to change over the next five years is IT getting out from just fulfilling capacity and really thinking more strategically along with the business about what the right decisions are in terms of cloud or not cloud, um, and going forward and jointly justifying investments and sharing in the risk and, re and reward relationship that goes along with that. Thank you very much. And let's turn to Xavier de Romagna from IBM. What's your prediction cycle there? Can you go five years or what time frame? What else would you like to add, Xavier? Oh, I can go five years, 2017. Definitely more okay. for less. Cost is going to go down. Competitiveness is definitely going to drive prices down and cost as well for providers. Um, I predict that in five years, uh, software and applications such as Business Suite, SAP Business Suite, and NetWeaver will be reborn in the cloud, even HANA. And I can see the network bandwidth is going to become faster and cheaper, and new technologies like memory, in-memory technology will facilitate a new generation of software applications that are born in the cloud, not legacy that is being moved to the cloud, but they're born in the cloud. So they leverage distributed models of global points of delivery so you can have clouds all over the world. 
you can have built a software with resiliency built into the application logic and less dependent on the infrastructure. So you see a lot more cloud backups, a lot more cloud high availability, uh, cloud-to-cloud disaster recovery. But guess what? We'll never get away from infrastructure because underneath every cloud, there's got to be a server and there's got to be a farm of servers that are really serving it. But it's not so much about the infrastructure again. It's about the service. It's about the benefits. And there's three pillars to cloud, automation, virtualization, and standardization. So that's what I see in my crystal ball. Thank you very much. And we have time for Madri Chala, also from IBM. Madri, what's in the crystal ball for you, my dear? Well, I would say that, you know, your initial question was directed to pricing models, so I'll try to answer that first, and then if sure. there's time left, add more. But, you know, from pricing model standpoint, where I'd really like to see this going, and I think the trend is already there, right, we go to a true consumption-based model. A lot of um, companies, such as retail companies and others, right, constantly come and have a request for, you know, seasonal businesses, peak businesses that I want to pay for this only for two weeks or two days or two hours, whatever it happens to be, and I'd like to pay only for what I'm consuming. So I think the industry trend is there. It's These types of services pay by the hour are offered today in the public cloud. But, you know, you're looking at mission-critical applications. They want to add that same sort of a capability to their SAP environment as well, right? So I hope that's where we're going to land up and be able to offer such services which are truly consumption-based versus, you know, usage-based that we do today, which is, you know, by SAPs or by number of users, et cetera. So that's one thing I definitely see the industry will get to. Um, and, and that will benefit a ton of uh, users around the globe, right? Also the smaller companies we talked about because they can now afford to just buy very, very little and then just pay for the peaks when they want it and then not pay for what they're not using kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. So I see that as a prediction. And then to add to, you know, Alan, Jeff, and Xavier's comments, I think the industry has evolved tremendously. It's certainly going to go through an entire evolution. The applications themselves are certainly going to modify and become more cloud-friendly. And this basically gives the ability to the cloud service providers, right, like ourselves, um, you know, the options to offer the additional features that customers are looking for in terms of, you know, load balancing, being able to offer cloud solutions with zero downtime, which a lot of customers also want Mm -hmm. and don't want to pay for it, right, but a complete zero downtime, no maintenance windows whatsoever through various uh, geographic locations around the globe. Thank you, Madri. That's great predictions from everybody. I have one minute left, and now I'm going to be selfish. It's time for my predictions. I predict that next Wednesday, September 26th, on our Coffee Break with Game Changers show, which is Wednesday, 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 Eastern, we're going to be repeating a show, a great popular topic, M2M, Rise of the Machines. Are you in a smart city, living or working? It's coming to a smart city near you. Better get ready. Wednesday, October 3rd, we'll be talking about game-changing new ways of working. you got to stay tuned for that one. And next Thursday, 
September 27th, In the Cloud with Game Changers, we'll talk about Cloud 3.0. There's something new for us. Is it all in the past? <laughs> Thank you, Greg Chase. How Platform as a Service can help you go from best in class to first mover advantage and competitive advantage. Thank you to Patricia Harris, Malcolm Kimberlin, Greg Chase, David Slavinsky, and my special guests, Jeff Anders, Alan Kranz, Xavier de Romagna, and Madri Chala. And my big topic question at the end, what are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Have a great day. Have a great week. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We'll talk to you next week here on In the Cloud with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Bye-bye. Thank you again for being part of In the Cloud with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Please join Bonnie D. Graham again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. And be sure to tune in to our other program, Coffee Break with Game Changers, every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern, also on the Business Channel. Between shows, visit us at www.sapgamechangersradio.com.